It all began with the image of a modern-day Marlboro man. Rugged, weathered, dusty, riding his steel horse, in this case a BMW motorcycle, the image would eventually fuel an idea for an epic motorcycle adventure that ends up turning epic almost as soon as it gets started. Something goes wrong, and then everything goes wrong, pushing Jeff and Kelly Travis to their limits and probably beyond. Now, what happened? How did they survive? What could they have learned? Or what did they learn all comes out in the adventure today. And what a learning opportunity is for us to listen to their story, listen to the things that they may have done wrong, or we think they've done wrong, or maybe they think they've done wrong, and then decide how we would have done it, what we would have done in that same situation. I mean, it's the whole reason that Clinton Smout always says, let your friend go first. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. Sam Manikin. Ted Simon. Justin Vance. Simon Pavey. Bill Bragoon. Helga Pedersen. Jocelyn Snow. Charlie Borman. Simon Thomas. Lisa Jarvis. Grant Johnson. Jimmy Lewis. Chris Birch. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Best Rest Product is the maker of the Cycle Pump, the best tire inflator for motorcyclists. It'll inflate your flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA. Comes with a lifetime warranty. They also distribute Google Tech filters. Cyclepump.com. And Green Chili Adventure Gear offers American-made heavy-duty luggage systems for all types of motorcycles. You can turn any dry bag into luggage using their strapping system. And, of course, Green Chili Adventure Gear is tested in extreme weather and terrain to withstand the abuse that adventure riding gives it. Tough, reliable gear. GreenChiliADV.com. So this is over 20 years ago. Um, We were in uh, Santa Fe, New Mexico, coming out of the cowgirl cafe restaurant and I saw this this guy he was kind of a taller guy he had I know I know he had the rally BMW rally jacket on I remember that because it had the BMW logo on it I remember the bike you know he had the top the top uh, back case on it he had his dry bag and his tent all the accoutrements on the bike He's got the aluminum panniers on his BMW GS. It was a dirty bike. He had been out on the road. And I just thought he's like a modern day Marlboro man. You know, he's getting on his steed and going off riding. And uh, I'm thinking, God, that's what I want to do. I want to I want to go and look for photographs. I want to camp. I want to do it on a motorcycle. I want to be this guy. That is... I want to be that dude at some point in my life. My name is Jeff Travis. I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. And Kelly Travis from Des Moines, Iowa. Kelly, welcome to Adventure Rider Radio. Thank you. Thank you. Why don't we start 
with the idea? Where did it come from? Uh, when I hit 50, I think I hit maybe a little bit of a midlife crisis. And uh, we decided, you know what, let's get an Airstream. I've always wanted an Airstream. Let's get an Airstream and we'll get a, we'll get a nice size vehicle to pull it. And we'll, you know, that's what we'll do for our vacations. And we started thinking it through. And it's like, you know what, I get two weeks a year of vacation. We're going to spend all this money and we're only going to be able to use it on the weekends. And we're going to be stressed, keeping it clean, getting it prepared. Kelly's going to have to leave town maybe early to get to a campsite. And I decided, you know what, let's, let's forget about that. Let's, let's, what do you think about getting a motorcycle? And Kelly was in shock in shock because <laughs> I had kind of been hiding this for a while. And I said, the deal is we'll go take the, the MSF class. We'll see how it goes. And uh, I was hooked. Kelly did fantastic at the MSF and she ended up whiskey throttling it, having kind of a bad mishap on the bike during training. And she said, no, I'm just not going to be, I'm not going to do it. And so that I was kind of crestfallen because I thought there kind of went my dream a little bit. I ended up passing. And after six months, she finally got on and thankfully she got hooked to it too. So she ke- loves it. Kelly, that, that, um, can you describe the incident you had there with a the whiskey throttle? <laughs> um, I was a kind of a nervous wreck and the, even over my lunch, the trainers took the time to kind of help me with some things I was struggling on. So I seem to be doing okay, but I, for the final test, I, what, it was, the, it was the emergency stop. Yeah, and I whiskey throttled instead and like fell and hit my head. And so they all thought I knocked myself out. And I was just laying there like, oh, that's an automatic fail. So, yeah. So then at that point, I was going to go back and because you could take the remedial and because I'd, I'd passed the written part. And the more I thought about it, I'm like, no, I think I'm just going to be, I, I enjoy being a permanent passenger. Mm. But at that so, point you were just saying, you, you weren't really thinking passenger though, at that point, I guess that you were just thinking you no. don't want to ride. Yeah. <laughs> and, and why? Like too scary because something went wrong. Is is that what it is? Yeah. I think that was part of it. It's like, I, I, I was, yeah, I was, wasn't sure I wanted to ride. Plus, um, we kind of had a daughter that was kind of still, well, we had a son that was like maybe a, what a senior and another daughter that was like a, eighth grader. And I was like, Oh, I don't want to get hurt. Something happened to us, mm. something like that. Cause it, it took a while for me to get on the motorcycle. And I kind of had a bad experience when I was younger where, um, I almost flipped off and fell off the back of a motorcycle. So I told him I wouldn't get on the back until I had a, a seat rest that I could lean against. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And then once I got on and got all my gear and we rode, I got hooked right away. What do you get from riding on the back? Um, it's just, we were talking about the other day. It's like, um, like we don't think anything about, Hey, let's, you know, let's ride an hour and a half to go eat for dinner. Let's ride an hour. Now, if you're in a car, you would never do that. And when you're in a car, it's like, you, you just, it's a whole different experience on the motorcycle. You just experience just things look different. The sound of everything. Um, people are really friendly um, anywhere what, we go on a motorcycle, it's like 
people just come up and just automatically start talking to you. It's just, it's just like a, a people magnet almost. It's something that I've heard listening to your show time and time again, that people come up to you that would have never talked to you. I've, we, we've had some of our best memories traveling on motorcycle is the people that just come up to us and start a random conversation for whatever reason, it's an icebreaker. I, I can't explain it. I don't know why, but I'm so glad I made the decision to get a motorcycle instead of a camper. It's the best choice we ever made. Kelly, is the same for you? Do you feel that way as well? Yeah, I kind of thought he was crazy at first. I was like, oh, man, he's going through midlife crisis. But in the end, it's like I kind of benefited from it also. And and Kelly, thinking about Jeff as a rider, what kind of a rider is Jeff? Well, I always, when everybody asks me, aren't you scared to get on the back of a motorcycle? And I'm like, I actually feel safer on a motorcycle with him than I do in a car. So he's a bad car driver? Yeah, <laughs> yeah a little bit. <laughs> I get too relaxed. I don't pay attention. And Kelly, what kind of a planner is Jeff when it comes to motorcycle riding? Uh, well, if we're going- Watch it. This is a loaded question. <laughs> well, if we're just going out for a ride, he always has to have a destination in mind. He's like, okay, I got to have a destination. So I'm like, okay, how many miles do you want to ride? Um, total- So I try to go with that. Now, if we're going on a camping trip for the summer, like we went this summer for like 18 days, um, mostly camping, some hotels, um, he will actually start. He's so excited. He loves the packing part. That's his favorite part. He will start like laying that stuff out and getting it ready like six months in advance. That's his favorite part. Mm -hmm. And do you, do you find because he does that, you, you consider him to be a thorough, good planner or, or would you describe that otherwise? Um, when it comes to motorcycles and that kind of thing, yes, definitely a really good planner. What type of person is he when you get into something? Does he, does he get excited? Is he laid back? How does he approach things in particular when you're riding? (laughs) He's just shaking his head. Um, actually, like we've had a couple experiences, like we were on a, uh, a couple years ago when we were on this, it was raining and we were going on one of those cattle grates and we kind of slid a little bit. And I'm like, wow, like I'm really like, I was in awe. Like I was really impressed on how you handle that. So I think, I don't know. I think in certain situations, he's really pretty calm. He does. He says he, he inside, he's not calm, but he appears calm to me. Anyway, now thinking back to one incident that we're going to end up talking about here, do you blame Jeff at any point for what happened with that? Absolutely not. Why not? Um, I mean, let's face it. He's in control of the motorcycle. He's the one that's really, he, he's doing the, the, the riding. <laughs> I know he's a lot of people, a lot of people the bike. ask me if I blame him and ask if I'm scared to get back on the motorcycle, but I'm not, I don't know. I guess it's kind of like, it was a weather thing. You know, it's like, it was, yeah, it was like a weather situation. He had no control over that. And, um, I just, no, I don't blame him at all. How long ago did you take the Rawhide Adventures rider training? Uh, my, my introduction to Rawhide was, yeah, it was 2019, the introduction to adventure. And then I did the next step 
um, in 2020, I did the next step. I, I absolutely loved, loved the introduction to adventure, loved it. Uh, the next step was a lot tougher on an old guy. <laughs> that you, when you say the next step, this is another course that Jim offers. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, it, I, I was so in love with, uh, the first course that I took that I convinced my, a friend of mine that I ride with to go along with, uh, my daughter just bought a little BMW 310. And I said, you buy a bike, I'll commit to paying for your training course on that if you buy a bike. And she did. So I had, we went out there and it was a great, great experience. Well, you said that the, the second one was a lot more difficult. Talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> so the first day of training on the next step, they put you through a ribbons course. And the first year that I went, to training. I was one of the younger guys in the training. They were all older gentlemen, 10, 12 years older than me. And, uh, the second year I went, I was one of the oldest. There was one older guy, one gentleman older than me. And then everybody else was much younger. They were in their mid twenties. And so they were much more risk taking, uh, put it that way. Uh, and they had been riding longer than I had. Even in their mid-20s, they had been riding longer. Um, at that point, I had only been riding like four years. One of the gentlemen did a, uh, on the ribbons course, it's very tight. You go got to go in between t- trees. You have to, you know, do the clutch control. Your braking has to be, you know, kind of spot on. And the instruction, instructors are just wait, are just looking for you to make a mistake not that they want you to make a mistake, but they're looking for problems that you're going to have. And if you don't pass this ribbon course, they're going to recommend, strongly recommend or insist that you go back and do the other course. And so with my daughter and my friend, I was so nervous. That, oh, my God, I do not want to fail this. I do not want to fail this. I do not want to have to go back and do the walk of shame and saying, I guess I'm doing you the introductory course again. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like I had a lot of pressure to perform. It was a lot more challenging than the intro, a lot more challenging, but I loved it. But at the end of the day, I came back from four or five hours of training and we came back for dinner and they were in such high spirits. They were high-fiving each other and go, oh, my daughter came up to me and gave me a hug. She goes, oh, I'm so glad you, you know, made us, you made me do this. We had a ball and I'm like beat. I dropped my bike that first day, like six times. I had broken off that part of my handlebar, my, my, uh, uh, cruise control had broken off. So I was not, I did not have a good first day and they could tell it. And I said, this is, this course is just kicking my ass. I I don't know if I'm going to be able to complete it because if tomorrow is much worse, after dropping your bike and picking it up four or five times and breaking a, you know, the, the cruise control, I was not very happy that day, that first day. Well, what kind of things were you doing that, were, that was difficult? What were, what were they teaching you? Well, the, this ribbon course for me, knowing that I have to pass this to keep doing the training, which is a good thing. I understand why they do it, 
but I was a nervous wreck doing that. The guy, the older gentleman that went right before me ended up going down and up and doing a Superman off of his bike. So his bike went completely over this hill and he ended up on his back on the ground. About two or three hours later, he was going to the hospital because he ended up tearing his spleen. So that made me really nervous. And I immediately had to follow him. And I ended up doing all right. I didn't drop the bike, but that was on my mind, just seeing him get hurt like that. Um, it's kind of a, a it plays with your mind, confidence-wise. Yeah. So you passed, you, you felt empowered by the time you left, or did you feel sort of oh, yeah. beat? And- oh, yeah. I, th- I, th- I, I thought it was like when my dad went through the Marine Corps. He said, once you get out of the Marine Corps, he goes, you think you can pretty much rule the world. You think you can do anything. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking that when I got out of that course, I thought, oh, man, IDBDR, it's not going to be nothing. Okay, so we're, we're done the course at Rawhide. You're feeling great. You feel like you, you really want to conquer something. So you start looking at the Idaho um, backcountry discovery route, and you're thinking that this is something you want to tackle. Now, now, overall, when you first look at this route, how difficult does it look to you? Uh, a lot of it is pretty easy going. I've since gone back and done other parts of it, but um, there are, you know, uh, creek crossings. Um, depending on how much rain they've gotten, that can be more difficult. There's a lot of down trees, depending on the time of year that you go. So you have to, you know, they always tell you to take a handsaw and, you know, have at least one day's of worth of food in case you do get in trouble. Um, being from the Boy Scout background, you know, always be prepared. I, I thought I was really well prepared for it. My biggest fear on a motorcycle, and it's, it's true on the last trip that we just took this summer is some kind of mechanical failure. That's what I worry about. You mean just getting stranded with it? Yeah. What do you, I mean, we have a a Garmin inReach, but (laughs) the IDBDR, I mean, there's no cell phone service, very little cell phone service. Um, It's one of the remotest places in the country, Jarbidge. It's I think the remotest little town in the continental U S so there's not a lot of help if you get in a bad situation. Uh, that's always in the back of your mind. But I, we've been on enough trips that I kind of pushed it back out of my mind, frankly. Is this your Everest, your Kilimanjaro? Is, is, is this what you're aiming for? Is this like the, the real tough one? Uh, it's The Idaho BDR isn't supposed to be as hard as, I, as I've heard as the Colorado. There's more technical spots on the Colorado BDR. And I've watched some of the videos from that on big bikes. Some of those uh, passes, there's no way I'd want to do it uh, on a large bike. On a small bike, yeah, I, I'd love to do it. On a large bike, no, I'll pass. Um, but I had done enough research. I went to the friends of the IDDBR and talked to a lot of people online. And I thought I had everything, you know, I was prepared for everything. I, I had the emergency signaler. I had the uh, uh, inReach. I had food. I had my saw. We had all of our camping equipment. Um, I prepared really well for it, I thought. But I didn't think it all the way through. I didn't think enough. I didn't think it through enough. 
But you saw the videos, you, you saw what was involved. I mean, really, you said hundreds of videos. Are you literal with that? Hundreds of videos? Oh, yeah. Oh, I know. Oh, oh we I watched know. so many videos. <laughs> so many. We've, really? we've got a smart TV at home, and I'd, I'd make Kelly, i go, here, look at this part. We can go swimming at this part here, and we can jump off the cliff here. And, you know, I was researching it hard. Now, Kelly, is this just Jeff's way of researching thing, getting real excited? Because you mentioned that when he's getting ready for a trip, he's going to pack six months in advance if he can. Is this just all part of it? Or is this a little obsessive and maybe overplanning? No, this is this is all part of it. Because like the, the trip we went on this summer, we watched, we'll watch videos to find out. Like we went to Oregon, Washington and those places we'd never been before. So we would get on and... Um, find the best place, you know, best places to go on a motorcycle and stuff like that. So he does do, he does do a lot of research when he's planning something like this. And you don't find that doing that much research kind of takes away from that spirit of adventure that that Marlboro man might be interested in, you know, when he's going somewhere to see it for the first time with your own eyes. We never stick to the plan. (laughs) Yeah. We're kind of the wing it kind of person, people. We never... Uh, we used to make reservations when we were with the kids. And the thing I learned is when you make a reservations at a set date and time, you're in a rush to get there. And then if you find a nice place that you'd like to stay at, you can't because you've, you're going to lose your deposit on your reservation at the next town. Yeah. So we've, we've winged it for the most part and don't make reservations. So you prepared for, for this trip on the BDR. This is your first BDR, correct? Yes. Yes. The first one you're going on, you're riding two up on off-road. Down. I, I believe you did get some, you, you did ask around about riding the, uh, the, the BD, this BDR in particular, riding two up. Now, did you see in your videos and things like that, are you seeing other people riding two up? Are there a there lot of examples? There are no two ups. There's no, no two, two ups. Two it's odd, isn't it? None. And so we went to a, uh, we, we drove up to Minneapolis to go to a motorcycle show and Brett Tax was going to be there. I think I'm pronouncing his name right. That's right. Yeah, it's T. It's Brett Tax. Yeah, Tax. You're familiar with him. I, we used to have him on the show. Oh yeah, he, great guy. I went up to him at the. Uh, there's an actually BDR suite that he was in uh, booth, and I said, you know, I'm wanting to do the BDR. He goes, do it, do absolutely do it. And I go, great. And I go, well, the thing is, my wife is going too. She goes, she'll love it. She'll love it. I go, well, the thing is, she's she's you know going to be riding pillion, and he just kind of grimaced. He goes, and. <laughs> I should have listened. Uh, yeah. So we I'm were sure warned. I'm sure it's doable. Uh, Sorry, did, did you I, say did you're say? sure it's doable? What Was that you or was that I'm Red sure. Tack saying it? <laughs> no, no. He he kind of grimaced and goes, uh, I, he, he said, you might be able to do it. I haven't heard of anybody doing it too up. He goes, I don't think I'd recommend it. And so I'm like, okay, we're just going to go for it. <laughs> I decided as soon as I was done talking to him, Kelly goes, did you hear what he said? I go, yeah, but you know, I should have listened, but. <laughs> but, but okay. So, so there's nobody else riding two up when you're watching the videos. Does that become apparent to you or, or is this just oh, in yeah. reflection? Are you you're watching? You're saying, Hey, isn't it odd that we're not seeing anyone ride two up? Is, is that, that was happening? Well, you know, on the crossings, I knew that she, I was going to be taken off the panniers at some of the crossings. I knew I was going to be taking them off and walking them across. And I told her that said, you're not going to be going, I'm going to be taking the bike across by myself when we do those crossings. We're going to have to you know, strip down all the camping gear and everything off it. So I made her aware of that. And I said, there might be sections that you have to get off and we may have to tote up the, because we had all the camping gear with us and that adds up uh, the weight of your tent or water. Uh, 
water filtration, all that little stuff just adds up little by little adds up and you end up carrying a lot more than what you think you are. Mm. At least we did. But when you're watching those videos, did it become apparent to you? Did you actually take note and say, this is odd. I'm not seeing anyone riding two up. Yes, (laughs) very much so. And did you talk about that? Yes, (laughs) but he's very good at convincing me everything's going to be okay. So I'm like, okay, we'll just go for it. Why not? We, um, I'm guilty on that. I, I, it was, it was my dream. I mean, we both liked camping. I don't think she knew quite what she was getting into until we actually got out there and saw how remote Nevada is going into Idaho. I mean, there's this, there's nothing (laughs) you're by yourself. And that's what we love. But that little creeping gut feeling, oh, oh, I hope nothing. I hope everything, I hope we don't have a, in my mind is always, oh, I hope we don't have a mechanical failure or anything going on. There's only so much you can do on that bike. So Jeff, when you're thinking about this BDR trail and you're the route and you're seeing the difficulties with it, et cetera, what, what are you thinking or why do you think that it's going to be okay with your riding skills? What is it about you that's <laughs> so confident about that? Coming off of Rawhide, like I said, I had that conquer the world Marine attitude. Uh, I, I, I was, I was at a high confidence level. Um, I felt like I had done the training. I'd done a lot of off-road riding. Um, I didn't foresee what happened, but, uh, I don't know how to explain it. I just, I had a confidence. I, I won't say arrogance, but I had a confidence. I'm a worrier. I worry about everything. And I, you know, that's why I bought a, an inReach, you know, uh, I, I worried, you know, what if we break down and we have no way to communicate with anybody? We, we got to have that. And so it wasn't that I wasn't thinking. I didn't want that negativity to creep in my mind and deter me from at least trying it. And I knew how bad, like he'd been talking about doing it for, you know, quite a few years and I knew how bad he wanted to do it. So it's like, I finally was like, let's just, you know, What's it going to hurt? Let's just go for it. It's an interesting statement. Um, what's it going to hurt? Uh, Kelly, so <laughs> when you're thinking of, of these tough spots on the route, what's your plan on how to handle it if, if things get tough? Or or are you just leaving it to Jeff? Um, to be honest, I kind of left it to Jeff. But when we did watch the videos, it was like if we, like he said, like if we did see a water crossing, I'm like, uh, am I riding through that? What am I doing? He goes, no, you'll most likely have to walk through and we'll just carry stuff over because that's what I was kind of worried about was the water crossings. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but watching, the, I mean, I, I actually kind of, it got me more pumped up to actually kind of watch the videos because it looked like it was kind of fun and all the different places that you got to see and do and yeah, kind of put it on a resume of a cool place to go that maybe none of our friends had done. Right. Yeah, no, it's exciting for sure. You, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. We, we often worry about that whole mechanical breakdown thing. And you're talking about the inReach for the mechanical breakdown. And you're thinking if you get stuck, when the reality is you're probably more likely to use something like that when it comes to an injury with riding a motorcycle than a mechanical breakdown. I mean, I mean, no doubt mechanical breakdowns happen, 
But bikes are pretty darn reliable now. And unless you drop it in the river when you're crossing it, chances are, you know, it, it's going to keep on running. But the real high risk, of course, when we get into this sort of thing, as you guys know well, too, all too well, is the problems physically that you can get into by having a problem dropping the bike, coming off the bike, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a... Uh, it's an interesting thing. Well, well, let's talk about this trip. So you, you've packed up, you've done all your planning. You guys have watched hundreds of videos, which is, that's incredible. So, I mean, you have a very good idea of what is going on. How does it start out? Where do we go? We, we always leave early in the morning. Uh, we left at like 5.30 a.m., start headed towards Omaha, headed out west. On, we're going to uh, be on interstate for a while to get some miles underneath us. I always like going around six, 700 miles the first day just to get it out of the way. Because when you're in Iowa in the middle of, it takes a while to get anywhere, east or west coast. It, it, you know, you're going to be hard, have some hard miles those first for two days. So we're headed towards Omaha and about 20 miles out of Omaha, my uh, what does it say? Strut, strut strut spring adjustment malfunction. Forward movement is possible. See a dealer as soon as you can. Now, what kind of a cryptic message is that? Right. <laughs> like, strut what are you supposed to do with that? Yeah. Never, never has come up before on my bike ever. So, I, you know, the great thing about that Garmin GPS is I can, you know, tap in the BMW symbol, takes me to Omaha. The dealer was great. We pulled in. They got it right in. Uh, they saw how <laughs> overloaded it was. Well, I was like, you got quite a bit of weight on there. You do realize that. I go, yeah. So I have the aluminum panniers on there, Krieger bags on each side of that for camping gear, the top case, and then our tent up on top of the top case. So I have all three hard bags and three soft bags on that bike. And me. And all our gear, our heavy climb gear <laughs> and our our weight. So we have a lot of weight on the bike. And it goes, yeah, it's just, we just reset it. I'm not even going to charge you. You should be fine. Um, shouldn't be any problem. So I thank him. Uh, told, you know, told him that was great. I can't believe that you're not going to charge me something for the trouble. Because no, no big deal. We just reset it. So I get back on the road. We get it back on the road, and uh, about a half an hour later, here the same symbol comes up again. I'm like, son of a gun! It's just it must be a sensor that's bad. I'm not thinking in my mind the bike is smarter than me at this point. <laughs> you know, I'm just seriously, I'm just like in complete denial. You know, maybe I have too much gear. Maybe I'm overloaded. Could that be? Nah, could be. It's it's just a sensor. Otherwise, it would have come on right away. So I I rode the rest of the way. No problem. We're going. I'm a little bit worried about it, but not much. We're on interstate highway cruising. The bikes are running great. We just kept headed out. And that's how, you know, uh, that was kind of a foreboding that I should have, I should have changed the plan a little bit at that point, looking back at it. It's funny though, when something like that happens, we automatically blame the sensor. <laughs> it's kind of funny when you think about it because yeah. the sensor's there to let you know there's a problem. The first thing you go, hmm, must be a sensor problem. No, the yeah. sensor's actually telling you there is a problem, but we're still turning to the sensor. I mean, oh. we all do it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. and the funny thing is our friends took their motorcycle to Omaha. How long after? After the whole ordeal, they, they were going through Omaha and had something come up and they said, oh, our friends came in here because they had a good experience with it. And he goes, oh, uh, were they the ones that were like 
severely overloaded. <laughs> they never said anything to us when we were there that we were severely overloaded. But they, they, they knew exactly who we were. Right. Because I think they were laughing as we were pulling out because we just looked probably ridiculous. Well, you're probably one of those stories. They probably got a photograph of you when you were leaving. And they're probably one of those stories. They tell everybody when they come in, you never seen anything right. until you've seen this couple that came through here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is something you shouldn't do. Yeah, right. But, you know, we have, we have our dehydrated meals on there. We have our camping stove. We have all the incidentals. You know, we, we actually pack light clothes. We're, we're pretty good on that, but it's all the what ifs. And they were saying, Oh, you better have a handsaw with you. So we got that on there. Uh, the three days of food. But you, but you got to Nevada and everything was fantastic. Oh God, it was great. And that's where you're starting. Yeah. So. We're just about to get to the darker side of the story. We're taking a short break while I tell you about a couple things, but stay with us. Heidi and David Winters developed through necessity, actually, while they were on their round-the-world trip uh, riding two up. Yes, they're riders just like you. They poured their heart and soul into this. And and in the end, this is something that has changed the lives of, uh, I don't know, countless riders uh, that are they're using the Atlas Throttle Lock now. Now, I remember one time riding across Canada, going through the prairies, and it, w- it was beautiful weather. I mean, everything was great. It was really stunning country to look around. But I mean, it's like you spot a tree. It would take three days to pass the tree. It was that flat. Okay, slightly embellished. But anyway, I remember desperately needing a break from my riding position. There wasn't anything really wrong. I was just tired of being in that riding position and having loads of miles to go that I wanted to cover. I didn't have the Atlas throttle lock. I would have loved to have had it because uh, your throttle hand just gets sort of tired of being in that exact same position mile after mile. Now, I did have another style of lock that frustrated me to no end because it just kept backing off gradually from vibration. So it was, an, it was just an exercise in frustration. Well, now I have the Atlas throttle lock and it never fails me. This thing is made like a Swiss watch. It clamps onto your handlebar in a few minutes, but it feels like it was designed for your bike. There's two buttons on it, one for engage, one for disengage. They offer firm, positive feedback when you press them. And there's no mistake about what you're doing with this thing. And when you need to slightly adjust your speed, you just simply twist the throttle. It holds the new position. You want to slow it down a bit, you back the throttle off. It holds the new position. This thing is a beautiful addition to your motorcycle. AtlasThrottleLock.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. AtlasThrottleLock.com. Your connection to the motorcycle while standing is through your foot pegs. That connection gives you the control to lean to one side for the motorcycle, allowing it to turn in that direction, to transfer weight side to side, maybe tilt the bike over for balance at slow speeds, or even transfer weight front to back. They can also make a difference in comfort. They are everything to the adventurous rider. Now, a peg is not just a peg. What we need is pegs that are designed specifically for our style of riding. And IMS Products has done that work and has made those pegs. IMS Products has been around since 1976. And over all those years, they've been producing parts for racers and consumers. And they have learned an unbelievable amount about producing the best possible product for a specific application. And they've taken that knowledge and put them into a full line of adventure motorcycle foot pegs. 
I'm comfortable telling you that that you're going to absolutely love what they do for your control of the motorcycle. And I've heard that from many, many listeners over the years. And in fact, my IMS products foot pegs, I think make me look like a better rider than I am. They give you a confidence and control of your bike that you never had before. IMSproducts.com is the website. Anytime you're dealing with them, throw in there that you heard them here on Adventure Rider Radio. IMSproducts.com. So we're in Northern Nevada, uh, have garbage typed into the GPS. I know I've got to go on this highway for a little bit, then get off on the highway and take a, a gravel road about five miles to the beginning of the official BDR. And we pull on and it is the most perfect, hard pack dirt road I've ever been on in my life. It was it was all kinds of ups and downs and whoopsies and oh god, was I was having fun. We were, I was laughing. I mean, I was on the comms and I go, oh my god, is this? Are you having fun? I I don't know if you're having fun, but I'm having fun. This is just fantastic. It was and it was really it, the scenery was really fantastic. We we were having a ball. Yeah, because I had the video like the my video my phone going and it was like you're kind of riding along and it's like I kind of felt like I was in a western where like the the buggies were going to come over the hills and stuff like that. Right. It was just, I took all kinds of video. It was, it was just really beautiful. Like the only thing we saw out there were cows. And that's what you came for was the, just that feeling, just that experience yeah. that you started to have. Yeah. It was uh, amazing. No, we, we passed one truck at the very beginning, like two miles into it. That was the only vehicle we saw the whole 10 hours that we were on it. Wow. Um, nice. And that's the other, you know, we, we got on it. It's only 50 miles from the highway to garbage. Uh, and we thought, oh, 30 miles an hour, 25 miles an hour. We'll be there in two hours. Mm. And we started before lunch. It was probably 1230 maybe by the time we got on it, um, thinking that we're only going to be on it for like two hours and we'll be at our destination. Right. And that was your night and destination. So garbage, that's your first, where you're probably going to spend the first evening? Yes. Right. Yep. And, and you're saying that's 50 miles. So not a big deal. Starting out perfect. No. Everything looks great. The weather is fine. The, the weather was fine that at that time. <laughs> uh, but uh, in the mountains, it was looking, starting to look a little dark. And that's exactly where we were headed. And I remember thinking, uh, I think we can, we're, we're going to beat it. We're going to beat it. That's not going to be a problem. This is We're your overly optimistic ahead. look of, um, yeah. it'll yeah. be everything. And little did we know, hadn't it, like it hadn't rained there. It was super dry. And they even said that it hadn't rained there forever. And we didn't know until we made it to Jarbridge that it had. Eight had, tenths of an inch that day. Yeah. Oh, wow. And that's before we a started. huge amount. They normally don't see that much rain in a single day. They, they just got pounded. And especially yeah. when the dirt is all dry and hard packed, it just oh, wants to run yeah. everywhere yeah. rather than, than soaking into anything. So you, you're starting off fine. And now what is the trail like? What is the road like? Are you on a dirt road or is it trail at this point? It's, it's about, it begins, it's almost probably a two lane dirt road at the beginning for, you know, five or six miles. And it starts to narrow and it really, really narrows once it hits the mountains. Mm-hmm. And we started doing some, uh, I think the beginning we were at around 2,500 feet and ended up climbing to over 8,000 feet. Um, but, uh, we started getting some drizzle and some rain and then 
a short period of heavy rain. Then it stopped. And I thought, oh, we're going to be good. We're going to be good. We're still, this is still way doable. The road was still good. What do you have for tires on the bike at this point? I knew you were going to ask. I have meat. Uh, and this is a Brett tax recommendation. I love the Metas 07s. They're a 50, 50 tire. Mm. Brand new. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they, they ended up working out pretty well for as miserable as it got. You know, it's interesting that thing, that 50, 50, when we talk about 50, 50, 80, 20, all these different ratios that we use to talk about tires. If you think about that, 50, 50 means it's designed for 50% on road, 50% off road, which means that it's 50% as it could, could be on Deficient. the road and 50% right. as efficient off road, which means it's yeah. really good at nothing. It's, yeah, <laughs> it doesn't do anything. Very it doesn't well. do anything very well. It, it really has no good point. A fifty-fifty tire, and it's funny because that is often a tire that's recommended for riding. Yeah. Is a great, you know, fifty-fifty tires. It's like it covers everything. But a fifty-fifty tire doesn't mean that it actually covers everything. And in, in my mind, it means no. that it's not good at anything. No, it wasn't. It wasn't good enough for this road. No, come to find out. I mean, I got by eventually, but I was I was kicking myself at that too because I was thinking about trading out the rear tire for a heavier duty knobby. And I said, no, this, this looks pretty, it looks pretty, pretty good. Sure. It'll do. TKC 80 or something like that. But yeah. okay. So, yep. so you got a little bit of rain, you know, and then it let up and you thought everything's going to be fine. Now you're, you're only riding the afternoon into your destination. So um, right. th- this is all going to go pretty quick, supposedly for you. You said two hours. So what happens next? Uh, this is, this is where I get a little bit emotional. <laughs> Uh, so we're, we're still having fun. Uh, we got a little bit of drizzle on the visor, but nothing we can't handle. We've been through way worse. The road narrows. It's starting to climb a little bit and there's some, um, baby heads, which at that time I was like, uh, it's a little rough, you know, on an overweighted bike, you feel those and you start body. I, I bottomed out a couple of times. And so I slowed down. Um, then on, I'd have a good patch and I'd be able to speed up. And I'd slow back down and hit the baby heads or, you know, slightly muddy parts that we were going through. And at that time, I had no fear of mud at all. When you say bottom out, do you mean that your skid plate rear, is hitting the rocks or you're bottoming the suspension out? Once in a while, the front skid plate was hitting and sometimes the back suspension was bottoming. It just, you know, boom, it was at its limit because right. we were so overloaded. Mm-hmm. And so I slowed down. And the, narr- the the road narrowed. There were goalies on either side. And I remember talking to Kelly on the comms. I go, you got to remind me not to look at those goalies because, you know, the old saying, you know, you go where you look. And mm-hmm. I was starting to do. So I did not because if I got in one of those goalies, it was going to be Game it was going to be a nightmare getting the bike out. I knew that because there was mud in them. There was moving water in them. When you say gully, uh, are you we, talking about tire tracks that are that are hardened into no, the mud? No, they're like gullies on the side of the road where the road just fall up, fell off and went into the pasture, but uh, they were steep. Like a ditch. So if I got down in there, it would, yeah, a ditch, gully. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew if I got down in there, it was going to be not a good situation. So I was slowing down. We came to this point and I stopped the bike. There was a big water, uh, I don't want to say it was more, it was a very large puddle, very probably 12 feet long and went clear to the road and was draining off into the side into these deep ditches. 
And I stopped and I told Kelly, I said, well, what they tell you to do at Rawhide is get up enough speed to go through it, get up on the pegs. And then, you know, so I, I stopped, I thought it through, doesn't look real deep. Um, doesn't look like it's going to be an issue. I've gone through way worse looking puddles. That's what I called it. So I ramped, you know, shifted down, started going through. I told Kelly, I'm going to be up on the peg. So she puts her hands on my, on my hips. We start to go through and I'm going through fine. It's smooth. It's not rocky. Uh, all of a sudden, the next thing I know, there must have been a large uh, root in, right in the middle, the deepest part. The front wheel hit that. The bike did a 180. I went over the, I went over the top of the bike into the water. The bike did a 90 degree and fell in the water with a pannier uh, landing on Kelly's leg. Wow. So the situation and changes instantly there. Instantly. Yep. So we went from having a great time to the adrenaline kicked in on me right away. Now, uh, sorry, you, you went over the handlebars of the bike and you, what, you yep, land on your back? I hit, I landed actually face first into the, into the mud and got up right away. I mean, I could, I, I was still not, the bike was pointing the other way, which kind of amazed me. It was pointing back the direction I came from. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I have, I know I've got a flat tire. There's no way I could have hit that hard and not have a flat tire. So I'm thinking, oh my God, flat tire. <laughs> what am I going to do? So I've got the pump, I've got the repair kit, but uh, that's, I've never, I've never replaced a tire on a bike before in emergency. Mm -hmm. So that's what's going in my head. And then I see Kelly struggling to get out from underneath the bike. So I get over there and I lift the bike and enough off of her that she's able to scramble out. Um, it was falling on her right leg. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, she was kind of, hmm, how do I explain it? Well, I tried to get, I was, I kind of, I got out and then I got on my knees and tried to get up and it was like, my left leg was fine. And then when I tried to do the other one, it was like, I knew something, it was like, something's off. Like my leg feels weird. I thought maybe it was just because it fell on it. But pain as well? Actually, no. No pain. Hmm. Not I, yet. I yeah. didn't feel any pain at all yet. That's interesting. So I was trying to, I was trying to walk on it thinking it's like, oh, I just. Bruised I, it or yeah. pulled, a, pulled a ligament or something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Cause I was trying to walk on it. Cause I didn't really realize that anything really major was wrong yet. So let's just stop here in this situation. So you, you, the bike is down, it's laying in the water. I assume it's, it's not real deep. I'm assuming you've shut it off. Kelly's got a sore leg. It looks like what's the weather doing at this point? It's drizzling just lightly. Right. So the weather's drizzling. Uh, and, and what are you doing to assess it, Jeff? Like, you know, at, at this point, how are you, how's it all come together for you? Are you, what are you picturing is going to happen next? Well, <laughs> not what happened, but what got, are you picturing? Well, I'm picturing we're, you know, man, I need to, I apparently I need to slow down. And next time I'm going to walk the bike through there. Mm -hmm. You know, if we have a, I'm thinking, you know, it's not going to be any problem going back on. The biggest problem I had to turn the bike around and it was halfway, the seat was in the water. So it was what, two feet deep? No, couldn't have been, probably a foot and a half deep, probably a foot and a half deep. Um, 
so I got the bike up, had to take off the panniers to get the bike up because we had uh, had to take off the Krieger bags because all the weight was making it so that I, uh, and I had to get the bike up by myself because Kelly was saying that her leg just didn't feel right. So I didn't want her helping at all. I said, just stand over there and I'll, I'll get the bike up and ride it, twisted around, started up, got in first gear, walked it out of the water. And at that point, the adrenaline, the effects of the adrenaline, I wanted to vomit because everything, you know, that adrenaline hits you and then your body is trying to recover from it. And it just wants to get everything out of the stomach. I, I don't, I think I may have thrown up. I, a lot of it's kind of a blur now, but I was, I was really upset that I had maybe hurt my wife and she, she wanted to go, but it was because of my mm, dream that she was there Mm -hmm. and it had started to go wrong. And and at this point, you must feel that it's it's gone terribly wrong. Like something has definitely changed at this point for you. Not quite yet, because yeah. it gets <laughs> worse. <laughs> uh, so I I turned to her. I said, "Well, if we go back, it's it's literally like 130 miles if we turn back, and we can do that." But at this point, we're only like 37 miles. I want to say 37 miles from Jarbridge. And that was our destination. So I, I, I said, we can go back 130 miles or it's going to be 37 miles. Having looked back at it, I should have turned around. Now you're saying this, trying to convince Kelly that you should keep going. I didn't have to try that hard, did I? No. Well, because we were just trying to debate. It's like, well, would it be easier just to go to Jarbage or should we go? Because where we had to end up going back was going to be a lot further. Mm-hmm. And she, and she goes, well, should we take off my boot? And I go, no, no. The first thing we tell you in Boy Scouts, if you think you have a break or a sprain, you never take off the boot. Yeah, because you won't you get it back on. on. Until, right, you'll never get it back on. Yeah. And um, so we decided to, yeah. we're, we're going to push through. So then you get back on the bike? You both of you get back on the bike and you just ride away? Yep. We, we rode away. She had a little bit of trouble getting on the bike. Um, and when she sat down, the first, she goes, she said, well, I think, I think it might be swelling up. I can kind of tell my boot is getting tighter and we have the comms on and I'm like, oh, well, you know, we're not going to take your boot off. That's one thing we know. So let's just, I'm going to try to get us there as best we can. This is like, uh, probably two o'clock right now. Two two thirty. So still lots of light. Uh, Kelly, what's yeah. what's the boots you're wearing at that point? What are my boots? I think they're seedy. They're 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 full height. They're not as heavy. They're not as heavy of duty as what she should have had. But she didn't like. I have BMW, the GSA, the heavy duty ones. She doesn't like them. They're too heavy. So she had a lighter boot. But I think they're the CDs. But but the, the boot so, that comes yeah. all the way up to just below your knee. Yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Yep. And I just remember him saying, because he's like, oh, you must have taken it. Because if we do fall, leave your feet on the pegs. And so he goes, he thought maybe I moved my leg at first. And I'm like, nope, because I remember when we tipped over, my feet were still on the pegs where they were supposed to. So I think it's just the pannier hit me or we just spun that the pannier got my leg. Mm. So you're riding away. We're riding away. 
in the distance, it's getting darker. I can, you know, you can see the stripes of rain coming down and that's the exact direction we're headed. And I'm not even, I'm not even thinking about the mud because it, the road wasn't that bad at that point. Um, but as we started to climb, uh, it got narrower, it got steeper and the mud turned into a type of clay that is so slick. Um, so we, we started going up this incline and then a, an immediate left turn. I can still remember it in my head. I was climbing and I had to make a left-hand turn. And so I'm up on the pegs and I put it, putting weight on and the bike just completely slid out from underneath me. And we went down again on this incline and the bike started sliding into this ditch that I didn't, that water was running through at that point. And I'm inches away from there. And all I'm thinking is I got to get up and I got to get the bike stop sliding. So I scrambled off the bike. Luckily this time it fell on the left-hand side. Uh, so it wasn't her bad leg that took the punishment again, got her up. Uh, the mud was going up probably six inches up above the rim of the wheel. Uh, pretty thick mud and I had to, okay, we've, we've got to just find a clear spot. I, I got all the gear off, set it down, uh, got the bike in first gear, walked, you know, a hundred feet or so, got into a, a rocky part of the road that I could set, lay the bike. At that point, I laid it down again because I was tired and went back, got Kelly brought her up, then went back and got the luggage. That was several trips. So I'm going back and forth, what, like five or six times because the panniers are heavy. The, I can, the only thing I can carry two of at the same time are the Kriga with our clothes in it. Those are relatively light, but like the tent bag and all of our camping gear, that's relatively heavy. So it's like four or five trips. Every time we got off the bike, I'd have to go through walking the bike in first gear through the mud, get it to a point where we could ride it and both get back on and try to carry on. It just kept happening. So that would take each time we'd fall, it would take at least probably 45 minutes to an hour to get rested, get her back on the bike. I don't know how she did it. Um, each time you fell, like how many times are we talking here? Well, we fell twice. And then after that, you would take the stuff off and I would walk. Right. Because he didn't. Yeah, we. we. So when it got really bad, it was just getting deeper and deeper. The mud was getting deeper and deeper. So I had her get off the bike at several points and I'd try to slog through um, with the pan, some of the panniers or all of them off, depending on how bad I thought it was. And, um, you know, up on the pegs, trying to go through mud at a slow and slippery is just even with the even with the. Uh, panniers off. It was just, it wasn't manageable in that mud. And it just, I, I was, I never thought I'd, I was praying for baby heads. I was like, Oh my God, let there be rocks here. Let there be rocks here. Please God, let there be. I was praying for baby head rocks at every point. What, what's it doing? What, what do you, what's the problem with the bike and what's well, it it's, it's, it, it's slipping out from underneath me every time I get any uh, momentum uh, and it just, there's no traction at all. And now the, now the mud is starting to accumulate underneath the, 
mud flaps and axles, I'm having to chip away off the mud. It's so thick and sticky. It's sticking everywhere and it's accumulating all over the bike. Every time we drop it, just more and more mud builds up more and more weight. And so I'd have to spend, you know, five, 10 minutes just getting the mud off it through each. And then it was just crazy because you think, okay, Kelly, we're through the, we're through the worst pass. We're, we're, we're through the worst part. And we'd go for a little bit and then it would just get worse. And it just get, kept getting cumulatively worse and worse and worse and more time was going by. So now it's dusk. I remember what it's probably sun had just set because they're in the mountains that set earlier. It's probably eight o'clock and I'm thinking, Oh my God, we've been here like six hours already. I can't, you know, what have we been, how far do we have to go? We still had like 25 miles to go. I'm like, I, I, I don't know how much longer I can do this. And the last time that we fell, my head was pinned against a rock. My face shield was down in the mud, pinned against a rock, and my ankle was being pinned on the left side. Kelly got off right away. I don't know how you got off, but I was at that point. She had gotten off. I don't know how. I was pinned under the bike, and my ankle was hurting really bad. The uh, bike was pressed even through those heavy boots. It was pushing a lot of the weight was on it and it was up against a rock. And I was like, I don't know if I can get it off my leg. And so she pulled the bike off a little bit. I was able to get out from underneath the bike. And that's when I was just, I was beat at that time. And I uh, took off my helmet and I apologized to her. I said, I am so sorry for getting you into this mess. And uh, it was dark now. <clears throat> and I said, I don't think I can do this anymore. Because there's a stretch, probably 200 yards. I walked up and it was all thick mud. And there was really like a car had been through it. I'm like, I don't know. I'm going to get in that trench. And it goes right. it goes right for the ditch. Like a car had been stuck there and they had pulled it out at some point earlier in the day. It was fresh tracks. And I'm thinking, I don't think I can get through that. There's no way. Because at this point, the mud is like approaching the axles. And I've got her injured and all this weight. And I said, I'm sorry I got you into this. I don't know. And she immediately says, press the, press the Garmin. Just press the Garmin. And I go, Kelly, we're, in, we're on the side of a mountain. If I press that button, it's going to be morning before anybody shows up. Mm-hmm. They've got to come through what we came through or send a helicopter, and the helicopter is not going to be doing they're, – they're not going to be able to get to us. I at, said. We, at so, one point, he wanted to set up a tent and camp Right there on there. the side of the road. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, there's no room here. If somebody, I said, no one's coming through. <laughs> there's no one going through this. So the trail's that narrow that, that if yeah. you set up camp, you're basically going to be in the way of the next group coming through, oh, if yeah. anyone yeah. did. Yeah, yeah, we'd be blocking the road. Yeah. And I said, you know, I, I'm willing to just get the sleeping bags out because it had stopped raining at this point. I said, we'll just find a, a spot, set up the, and, you know, get some rest. I said, I, I, am, I can't do this anymore. I'm completely physically and mentally drained. And all I could think of is, oh, my God, we've been here six hours, and it seems like I've only been here an hour. But I've, it's just kept falling, kept getting stuck, 
uh, in the routine. I got the routine down pretty good, getting the bags on and off with my green chili hardware. <laughs> <laughs> Wearing my pearly socks, by the way. Very nice. <laughs> so my feet were comfortably dry. Uh, but anyway, I just couldn't do it anymore. And, and I and I told her, I said, I don't know how we made the decision to try it one more time. So at this point, Kelly, what, what's going through your mind? Uh, I didn't think we we're ever going to get to Jarbage. Um I knew something crazy was wrong with my foot. I guess I really didn't think of it still as being broken. I just knew that something was wrong because it's like my boot is starting to feel tighter and tighter. And I think part of it was I was a little, I'm like, well, if there's something wrong with my foot and we, or my leg and we camp, what's my leg going to be like tomorrow morning? So I kind of was like, plus I didn't really want to camp out there because I didn't want, I, we were too close to the road and I'm like, if somebody comes, they're, what if they don't see us and hit us or there's cows everywhere? Well, I just you wanted to I, press the button. You, you, you're sort of seeing it. I as did a, want to press the button. Emergency. <laughs> I was like, that's what we got it for. Let's just press the button. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's like, there's nowhere to land. Um, it's going to take him forever to get here. So, yeah. Jeff, uh, wh- I, why not press the button? Why, like you've got that, just exactly what Kelly said. You bought it for that reason. It's there for if something goes wrong. You know, really you didn't do anything wrong. You got in a bad situation. The, the weather changed for you. That happens. That's what life is about. Why not press the button? I just kept thinking in my mind, she's hurt and we're only 25 miles away. And I just kept thinking, I, I, can, I can do this. I can, I, it's got to get better. It can't be... <laughs> told her that I don't know how many times after we found, I said, it's got to get better because we'd, that's what was just so infuriating about it. We'd come to a spot and it'd be rocky and we'd fly through it. It's like no problem. And then right around the next bend, it would be just a mud trench. And it was just so, uh, uh soul killing when it, we'd see mud, uh, the adrenaline would start pumping my gut. It'd feel like I had to vomit. It was that visceral of a reaction that it's like, oh my God, because I, I know it was coming. I was either going to drop the bike or come to a stop. If I come to a stop, the whole routine starts over again. Get her off the bike, get the panniers off, walk it. It's going to be another hour. And when it, when it was light, it was one thing. When it got dark and we started having to do it, it got kind of treacherous because I couldn't, I had a headlamp or no, I had my pocket flashlight. Yeah, you couldn't see very far in front of you. Yeah. It was very dark. The stars were the only thing lighting it. Uh, it was, I, I just thought I can do this. But why the optimism? Why thinking that, <sighs> why would it get better just because it's already been bad? Because at that point I was an extreme optimist. <laughs> I had no choice. <laughs> I had no choice but to be optimistic because it couldn't get, I mean, I broke down and I was, I was crying in front of her. We were both crying and hugging each other. Like, you know, I am so sorry I got you into this because I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get us out of it. And I just kept. But you've got I the was, button though. You've got the thing yeah. that supposedly <laughs> should bring in the Calvary. We get that question a lot. Why yeah. didn't you just press the button? I'm well, like, I tried. But then you know, we just kind of talked about it. It's an interesting thing because, you know, I've said the exact same thing, by the way, Jeff. It's got to get better. I have no idea where that comes from. Why should it get better? Why couldn't it just get worse and worse and worse? I don't know. But there's something about it. You think, well, it's been this bad getting this far. How could it get any worse? <laughs> exactly. It's like it can't get any worse than this. Exactly. There's no way. But it does. 
Yeah. 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 Uh, so that last part where I was, had my head down in the mud on the, it was like that, that broke it for me. And I, I was begging her. I said, let's just, for a half an hour, we debated whether to keep, try to keep going. And we, we ended up deciding, okay, I'm going to try getting a bike up there. If I can get it back up there, maybe it'll be a good camping spot. If it's really good, we're going to keep on going. And we decided to keep on going. And magically, it, it did get better. I, yeah, let's uh, just say there's a lot of prayers said between then and Jarbridge. Yeah, mm. I technically should be a monk at this point because of all the promises I made. <laughs> but I reneged on that promise because <laughs> I was, I was praying. I I was looking for a miracle, and <laughs> we didn't have any choice in the matter. No, I think our guardian angels were watching over us. What's really weird? I I would I had expended so much energy. And at that high altitude, I was, I, my hands were shaking. We hadn't eaten. I just realized that we didn't eat, we ate lunch and then we didn't have anything in us. So I was running on fumes anyway. I don't think I drank any water, either one of us. We should have been drinking water. We weren't. Is it just wasn't on our mind? And I remember coming to a point and a turn and I was going really slow and on the left-hand side, on a rock, there was a huge, I, I'm not going to call it a wolf, but it was like a white dog out in the middle of nowhere, probably 15, 20 miles away from Jarbridge on our left. And I go, Kelly, did you see that? She goes, no, I'm not looking. I'm not looking anywhere because it was a cliff fall off to the left. And I said, there was a huge white like dog like just standing there. And it was almost like an omen. I don't know, it was my my dad's soul trying to tell me it was going to be all right. That's what I, that's the interpretation that after gone through it, what I was thinking, but it was really a strange experience that this white, huge dog was just out in the middle of nowhere, standing there at the side of the road. And I don't think I hallucinated it. I know I saw it, but Kelly didn't see it. So... It's interesting that you said that whether, you know, if, if it was your dad and he's saying it's going to be all right, how do you know he's not saying you need to go back? <laughs> there was no way. To, he's going, no Jeff, way you hell. went too far. <laughs> this, this is, <laughs> yeah. There was no way in hell I was going to go back through that mud and all those spots because it would have been, it would have been worse going down than going up, I think. I really do. Yeah. And then. After we got past the mud, it was, that's what he was saying when I said, I, I didn't see a dog. I'm not looking because we were, there was a, like a drop off on one side and then the, like the rock, face, rock face on the other side. And I don't know why, but my body kept leaning towards the rock wall. I don't know if I thought I was going to keep us safe doing that or what. And I just it's dark I at this point. Look. Oh, oh yeah. it's pitch black. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah, dark. It's crazy. So, and, and it gets better. And then what happens? Yeah. We just kept, that was the longest 27 miles of my life watching. It just seemed like an eternity for the mile. And every time we'd come across mud, because we, we still ended up hitting mud patches, I would get that sickening feeling in my stomach that I was going to drop it or have to stop. And I, we ended up getting through those smaller spots that weren't nearly as bad. And then we started down into the valley, into garbage. And I knew at that point, I said, now just... And there's a lot of switchbacks going down in it, but it was so much better than coming up. It, it was like night and day difference. 
And when I got down to 11 miles, I just said, okay, we've got 11 miles. Worst case, we can walk till morning and hopefully get, you know, then I started worrying about a mechanical because I started thinking in my head, that wheel has got to be messed up. It's got to be messed up. I didn't even want to look at it. I just wanted to put it out of my mind. And uh, we ended up pulling it in Jarbridge at about 1045, 11 o'clock at night. Wow. And we'd been on that stretch for like eight, nine hours. Um, and it's, it was supposed to be a two and a half hour trip and took eight, nine, yeah. 10 hours sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So I pull up to the town of Jarbridge and there's a little uh, hotel, motel bar. and bar. And I'm thinking, oh, now I'm going to get here. And we didn't make any reservations. They're going to be full up. We're going to be sleeping outside. I'm going to have to set up camp somehow, <laughs> try to find a doctor. So all these things are run through my head. And I open up the door to the bar and there's three people. I'll never forget this one guy. He looked at me and he said, where the hell did you come from? I said, down that way. He goes, it's not that bad down that way. And I go, from the south? It kind of got in a little bit of an argument. He goes, you came from the south? And I go, yeah. He goes, oh, you should have come from the north. <laughs> so it's a lot better from the north. I go, no, we're going to Idaho. Up to, and he goes, oh, he goes, we just pulled a Jeep out of there yesterday. I go, yeah, I saw the tracks. And he goes, you alone? And I said, no, my wife said, is she on a bike too? I said, no, we're, we're two up. And he just started laughing. He goes, Jesus. And I've got mud all over me. I'm covered. Mud had to tell. I said, just tell me you have a room. Please, God, tell me you got a room. Oh, yeah, we got a room. I'm just thinking the look that you had right there. You were the ultimate oh. Marlboro man. I mean, you're covered oh, yeah. in mud. You've just come up to this treacherous area that even the locals are thinking, that's just crazy. And that's you right there. That's the yeah, adventure I, guy. I was I was the defeated Marlboro <laughs> man, believe me, because I was I was emotionally spent. I was I was done. <laughs> so we got in the room, got our boot off, and it it, uh, it was definitely you could see the big bruise starting to purple up on her on her leg. Um, so I, and it hurt to walk. So I was using the what's that thing that you put your luggage the luggage. The stand that you put your luggage on, I was kind of oh, folded it up and was using it as a walker to get around. So that way I would, t I could take the weight off that right foot. So I was kind of just using that like luggage holder thing as a walker at that point. Mm -hmm. And did you know anything was wrong? Like other than a big bruise? No. I, I asked at the bar if there was, he goes, no, there's a paramedic, but I think he's out of town right now. He'll be back tomorrow morning. And so... We just got into bed and tried to sleep. I did not have a bit of problem going to sleep. I was out. So I had the best <laughs> night's sleep I think I've ever had in my life. I'll bet. <laughs> I've never been so glad to be in a bed in my life. Kelly didn't sleep that well. She was hurt. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, that's when I kind of started to wonder if there was something more wrong. Cause I, no matter how I laid or put my leg, I tried to put it up on pillows and stuff. It just, it, it was, that's, I think when I took my boot off and stuff is when it started hurting more. Cause I, I think I should have probably just left the boot on and left the pressure on it. That might've helped. But I decided I was like, well, it, what if I take my boot off and my leg falls apart? That's, I was it like, was swelling up pretty yeah, bad. I never had a broken bone before. So this is mm. a first. And, and do you, do you end up having to go to a hospital? How, how do you find out? Um, yeah. Um, 
we went to we went to the restaurant that was just right there and had breakfast and I think that guy We had all of our she got all of her gear on including her boot she got her boot well, back I, on we went in first and they had a guy that could come look at it and he couldn't really tell anything so they just kind of wrapped it up for me and then there was two guys I can't remember where they were from but they were like we don't mean to be you know eavesdropping but we heard that you might have to go to the hospital and we're going to, we're, we're driving a car. And so they offered to take me in the car so I didn't have to get back on the motorcycle. And so they drove me to the hospital and then Jeff followed us then. So oh, that wow. was really nice. Yeah. Because would you have got your boot back on? There's no way you would have. I don't think I, I thought you got, no, your boot I didn't get my boot oh, back that's on right. you because I had him look because that's right. The paramedic guy was there and he was able to look at it and just wrap it at that point. That yeah. town only has 68 people there. And he happened to come back from training. I think the previous day he ended up there coming from the North. He heard through the grapevine that there was someone hurt at the cafe and came and helped us out. Yeah. Just a rip. Really, really small town, but super nice people. Really, really nice people. I, yeah. I had one of the, that was also not only the best night of sleep, it was one of the best breakfasts I've ever had in my life with the amazing thick bacon. I had some yeah, of the best really bacon good. I've ever had well, anywhere. Well, you were practically starving to death probably. Oh, yeah. I was hungry too, yeah. <laughs> so so you, you end up going to the hospital and, and getting an x-ray and you find it's broken. Yeah. What was broken? It was my tibia. Yeah. The smaller, the smaller bone in her right leg was yeah. broken and somewhat frag crush. It's a crush fracture. Wasn't yeah. It? Yeah. Mm. So it, it was definitely the bike or the pannier, one or the other that yeah. did it. So, so what, what, what sort of time were you back at? Like what, when did you feel normal again? Mm, probably what, about two months, two months or so. Two months or so. I actually, as soon as he, I, as soon as I got the final okay that my leg was okay and everything, um, I, I said, so I'm just going to ask you, am I okay to get on the motorcycle again? He's like, yeah. So I got on the motorcycle as soon as I could because I thought I want to get on, like kind of like get back on because I, I was worried if I didn't, then I'd be scared to get back on it again. Now, now that you're back on the bike, this is a couple of years ago this happened. Do you have any sort of residual from that as far as feelings go? In other words, when you get to a muddy section or off-road or, or are you not doing that at all anymore? Well, um, we went to a rally in Missouri. Was it later that year? Yeah. Later that fall, like in October. And I'd been fine. And all of a sudden, it wasn't even mud. It was like gravel. rocky. It was gravel. And I started and I forgot my commas on. And I'm like... I just like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my God, like freaking out. And yeah. That's just what you want to hear when you're trying to go through gravel and rocks. Is oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, through your ears, through both in stereo. And I actually made him stop and let me off. And then he went all the way, rest of the way up to the top without me on there. Mm -hmm. So that's about the only time I've really. I have more PTSD than I think she does, uh, especially with mud. I mean, I'm just freak out when I come around mud. So you still get that now? I was oh, going yeah. to ask you about that. How do you feel about mud now? So mud oh. is, mud is, is scary. Get, give me sand, give me anything other than mud. I just, God, at least with sand, it doesn't bind you up and 
it's not as nearly as slick. Uh, I, yeah, I have, I have problems with mud now. <laughs> Looking back now on this event. So if you were there now and, and you know, you're, whatever point it was, it sort of struck you that things were getting difficult when that mud started showing up. What would you do different now? I think that you said the very first mud that we saw. I would have walked it through. He would have walked it through instead of trying to go through it. Mm, that puddle that you're yeah. talking about. Because I was curious about that, about your, your option or your thought process to sort of gain some speed. In my mind, it wasn't that big. It didn't look very deep. It was a little bit deeper than I thought, but nothing. It was just that obstacle in the middle that was hidden that I ran into mm -hmm. that, that changed everything. And that's what you do now. You'd stop, you'd yeah. walk us through. Yeah. It still would have been a miserable ride, but she wouldn't have been hurt probably. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's the main thing. I, I would have carried a lot less gear Although I still swear to God, I didn't have too much gear. <laughs> definitely wouldn't try two up again. That's a definite. Well, I mean, and, and that you could, you know, decide to abandon it and say, okay, it isn't working. It's too technical, whatever the case is. And, and I think on that section or on that trail, there's, there's a couple of uh, optional tougher sections too. Oh yeah. That you can do. And I, I read all about it. You know, if you want to go to the fire base, there's a, part that you can go up. And I looked at it, I go, oh, I've done way, I've done way worse than that. That's not, a, that's not going to be a big deal. <laughs> Mud never came into my mind. It was just, you know, like I said, rough patches, tight, tight cornering. I can handle all that. And I wasn't going to take her on the rougher parts, the more extreme parts of it anyway. Um, we, we had talked about that. It, um, the biggest thing was the mud and the mm -hmm. rain. And yeah, I was expecting rain, but I didn't know it was going to get that bad. What about nighttime? So when it started to get dark and you're having all kinds of problems, would, would you do that differently? <laughs> That's why I wanted to get there early. I just thought, you know, we'll get into, we'll get into Jarbridge around three, three thirty. We'll have time to relax, get a room, eat. You know, it's, I have this all planned out in my head. Uh, but would so you push on now though? Like if you, the same situation, yes. would you push on through the night or would you call it quits and oh, camp? Yeah. Like Kelly I would say about? yes, because yeah. I, at that point it was my legs swelling up that I, I was like, no, we need to go. Mm. So, yeah. um, it's only 25 miles. That's, that's what I kept having in my head. It's only 25 miles. <laughs> it's. And what about, um, what about food and water? You know, and because you, you mentioned you didn't eat, you didn't drink. It's interesting how we know what we're supposed to do. But when we get into a stressful situation like that, you can get caught up very easy. Yeah. The last thing on my mind, and I knew I was shaky. Um, I, I knew I should probably eat a, a granola bar or something. We had plenty of them. But it's just like, I, I don't think I could have swallowed it because my, my gut was such, I was so much tension and so much fear. Um, like I said, I, I was, I was vomiting because every time we'd go down, the adrenaline would kick in. I'd have to pull the bike up. And I remember one time, two or three drops into it, I was pulling the bike and it just kept sliding backwards down this hill, down into the ditch. And if it got into that ditch, I knew I would probably never get the bike out of there. 
And I remember at one point just digging in back of my heels and just sitting there for two or three minutes. So the bike just wouldn't move and thinking, how am I, I don't know. I, I told Kelly, I don't know how I did it now. I, I don't know the adrenaline. It's an, an amazing thing because I know it just kept kicking in. Eventually I just, I was, I was done. I was wore out. Well, I did tell Jeff that it's going to sound weird. And I tell friends this, but it was almost a good thing that I had the injury instead of him, because I don't know how to drive the motorcycle. We would have been in worse shape if he would have been the one that broke his leg. Mm. But would you have been? Because would you have pressed the button at that point? <laughs> Here, Maybe. <laughs> what have you learned? What have you changed for riding two up now? Lots less. Off-roading for. Well, she yeah, off-roading, she, but we have definitely minimize what we take. Yeah. What about the pannier? Because you did mention that you thought that it could have been the pannier that, that caught your foot. Oh, yeah. I have Moscow Moto bags. <laughs> just, oh, you moved away just, from the hard panniers because of that? I still have them. I still like the hard pack because I, I feel like they're easier to pack. But if you go down, they're very unforgiving. Mm, yeah. Uh, the soft bags are great, uh, especially two up. So next next year when we go on our camping trip, it'll definitely be with soft bags. But I mean, you know, having having said all of this stuff that you've learned and then this this terrible experience that you had, you guys are riding now. Um, um, things are great, though. Oh yeah, we but, ride a lot, and it hasn't it hasn't put the kibosh on on anything other than maybe some heavy duty off road, which might be wise that you that you're not doing that too up. But I still want to be that Marlboro man. I can't help it. <laughs> so if he ever has a dream of doing the IDBR, D, I DBDR, yeah. Um, he'll just have to, that's something he can, I'm more than happy to say, see ya, and he can experience that on his own. That's not part of what you are looking for as a pillion. That's that experience necessarily. No, no. If we wouldn't have had the rain, we would have gotten (laughs) at least three quarters of the way through the BDR. I know it. You know, that's a really good question because if you didn't have the rain, Jeff, would you have continued to do these things until something else happened? Oh, there's no doubt. <laughs> there's no doubt, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, if it wouldn't have rained in that situation. You were having a good time that first I actually, hours. it's weird because everybody's, everybody's like, were you mad or were you blame him and all this stuff? And were you upset? And actually, I I wasn't, didn't get mad at him or wasn't angry. It's kind of like it wasn't your fault. It was the weather. And so it's, you know, stuff happens. And it's a fun story to tell everybody. <laughs> our friends go tell them the story tell them the story <laughs> <laughs> they're they're always the best stories as long as you survive and everything's okay they're always the best stories and, and i've heard that listening to your podcast it, it's it's never the great scenery that you end up talking hours and hours about it's it's when things go south that that's that's the when the memories are created and those are the things that you that you can remember every moment of and isn't that kind of strange that the human mind, it, it, it remembers the bad things, but doesn't remember the good things as much. But the bad things are just, it's in our DNA that they're imprinted harder when something goes wrong. And it's been a great, 
even though we went through some trauma, it's it's been something that we can laugh about. Uh, oh, yeah. Kelly, Jeff, thanks very much for sharing your story. I really had fun. Thank you. It's Thank been you. Thank you. Kelly and Jeff Travis from Des Moines, Iowa. We've got their photos in the show notes for this episode on our website, adventureriderradio.com. up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio and we sure hope you enjoyed listening to it as much as we did making it. Special thanks to our producer, Elizabeth Martin, and to you, the listener. Thank you very much for being a part of it. Remember, we've got another show that we do every month called Raw, Adventure Rider Radio Raw. It's a separate show. You need to subscribe separately. You can find it everywhere podcasts are found. And with all of our our shows, we do episodes for them and we put show notes on our website. So you can drop by the website, adventureriderradio.com and look at the show notes there. And if if you like what you're hearing, you enjoy the show, you enjoy both shows maybe, and you'd like to support, we would certainly appreciate that if you would. The show is built on a model of advertising and listener support to make the whole thing work. Anyway, drop by our website, adventureriderradio.com and click on support. Anyway, time to get out there and ride your bike if you can. My name is Jim Martin. Thank you very much for listening once again, and I will talk to you next week. Hi, this is Charlie Borman, and you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio.